Welcome to Prone to Wonder, a podcast where no questions are off limits. Join us, Amber Humphreys and Becca Robinson, best friends, women, and ex-ministry junkies, as we navigate conversations around deconstruction, reconstruction, growth, and wondering aloud about all the things we weren't supposed to wonder about. These conversations aren't about having all the right answers, but about giving yourself permission to ask questions and forge your own path. We're so glad you've joined us. Um, okay, wait. The, was it like very good or very good? <laughs> Did you like it, was it or was it too good. much? I really liked it. No, oh my God, no, it wasn't too much. <laughs> it's should, uh, the stuff I have read. Mm. Um, so, no, that it was wasn't like too the much. Most, it was good. That was like the most openly smutty book I've read because I mostly have read like fantasy books that have a little smut in them not just romance novels and so when I read that book which is like such a a deviation from like the more fantasy heavy like series I was like oh it's so funny too when you because for so long I wouldn't put anything I was reading in my goodreads because I didn't want anybody to know (laughs) um and then I decided I didn't care mm-hmm. and I needed the Goodreads to track what I had actually read because some of the plots to the rom-coms especially are so similar because they're all like the cutesy cartoon covers and like, you know, um, and so I couldn't remember if I had read something or not because I read 250 books last year. Mm-hmm. I hyperfixated real hard. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't keep track of what I was reading. So I had to start putting it in Goodreads. Do I post my annual wrap up? No, <laughs> but <laughs> did I start recording it? Cause I stopped caring. Yes. It's so funny because like the more and more people I see like reading the romantic comedies and the ones that, you know, are spicy or like book talk. It's like, and it's so interesting because I think people are giving less and less talks and they'll be like, Oh, I loved that book. And you're like, you read that book? <laughs> Like, did you love all of that book? <laughs> I'm learning something about you now. I like it so much. What are do you, you want to talk about religious trauma? Uh, do I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweetheart. I do. I, okay, so. Oh my gosh, am I even going to remember it all? Because I, I uncovered, like, it was a lot of insight in, like, three days that I got about myself. Like I figured out the root of my sevenness and like a bunch of, no, that was after it was like the day after I was home and I was like talking to Jared about dishwashers, oddly enough. And like, it just like came pouring out and I was like, Oh my God, this is the root of my seven wound or whatever. And I was just like, "Ah!" (laughs) um, okay. Hit me with it. But that aside, when I was at the retreat for those don't know, um, I help with um, Vanessa, who is the third of our triad. And if you're new here, used to help host the podcast. She is the Enneagram workshop. So she does Enneagram stuff. And this was the second retreat that we've done. And I help with that since production and all that stuff's what I'm good at. I went to this and we were talking about fears and like, what if I have a notebook? Let me see if I can pin it down the point where, cause I just like started crying. I, I was not anticipating it because I was like 
working their yeah. retreat. So I was like, no, 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 I don't have a whole moment where I cry in front of everybody. We started talking about like things kind of beneath your pad, like what's something you could never do. And like, if that happened, you know, what would happen? And anyway, I've realized that I think one of my greatest fears is wasting my life. Like I fear regret, which really shows up in parenting a lot because I have so many regrets and I'm like, well, because I have regrets, you know, like I messed it up and it's broken. And I just like, I hate that feeling of regret. And I'm like, well, if I make the wrong choices, I'll, you know, waste my life. Or if I don't accomplish this, you know, and as we were kind of digging into that, I realized, I think that is based on my life has a specific purpose that's bigger than me, you know, you're called, how many times, like if you were in ministry, especially how many times did you hear, like you were called to something greater or you like, you get prophesied over it that like, Oh, you're going to be a household name or, you know, all of these things that, that people are feeding into you. Like it's bigger than you. Your life has a purpose. And I realized, I think that kind of laid the groundwork for this fear that, like, while I know there's no right decision anymore, you know, we've talked about that, like decision-making, like, and there is no like exact path. It's just, you make decisions and there are consequences, good and bad for that action. And while I'm still dealing with that, I realized I still have a fear that I'm going to not accomplish what I'm supposed to accomplish or waste my life or have regrets or not do the thing that I'm supposed to do this like greater purpose, this greater value. And I think that that was really instilled in me from a young age. And so now I still feel that pressure of if I don't do something with this, if I don't do something with these giftings, if I don't do something with what I'm good at, then I've wasted it. But if I got to the end of my life and all I did was love my husband, grow as a person, him grow as a person, my kids are doing better than I am. Is that a wasted life? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is that wasted? Cause it kind of ties into that whole, like, well, if I'm not here for this greater, like God put me here to do this thing, to reach the lost, whatever, okay, well, why it kind of delves back into that. Well, why are we here? Like, what's the purpose of this? What's the point? And you get kind of that existential crisis mode of it, you know? Um, But it really kind of boiled down to, since I haven't completely filled the space that was left, Mm-hmm. When I kind of dug out what I thought was, well, this is how it is. And I kind of dug that out with questions. And now I have this space that I'm kind of like filling and leaving room for flow. Um, I'm not packing it in there like I did before where like this is unmoving instead. Like, no, it's kind of this malleable place in my heart now where there's like flow and movement and questions and thoughts and ideas, you know, but it's not like a a stone anymore. And so I feel like since I haven't replaced it with something that feels like the same weight, I still have that, those questions of, all right, well, what is my purpose then? And if I don't accomplish it, have I wasted my life? 
Did you, um, did you deal with that at all? Like a fear that you were wasting your life or like, if you didn't have that purpose that you've always had that, you know, I never really felt like my purpose was tied to having some sort of big religious impact as far as the the evangelical church. Like I never identified as like my story is going to help all these people get saved or my testimony is going to be used by the Lord to get all these people to heaven. To, To be honest, it was more like, how do I connect with people if this is not the medium anymore? Because like music and worship is so emotive and so, um, poetic and it takes you like under the surface level right away with people. Um, so for me, it was a lot of without that as the thing that bridges between me and other people, how do I get, how do I get under the surface with people anymore? So that that was, that was more my struggle was like, Mm -hmm. well, I guess I'm just going to be a complete, solo introvert forever because without this tool, I don't know how to get past small talk with people. Um, I think that was more my struggle. I never really felt like I, (laughs) we talked about this the other day. It sounds, I know it sounds really vain to say out loud, but I still have the same feeling of I'm, I'm going to have this big, beautiful life that I had when I was in ministry, like when I was doing photography and like when that business was like every time I've had something blowing up in my life, whether it was like music ministry, photography, marketing, like whatever it is and feeling that like surge of, Oh, maybe this is the thing that like is my thing forever. And then nothing is your thing forever because life is cyclical and spiralic. So I still very much feel that same exact feeling that was almost like a thread that ran through the time I was in ministry and even outside of the time I'm in ministry, I still feel very strongly that I have the opportunity and the ability to live a really beautiful life and help other people live really beautiful lives. And so that hasn't gone away for me. It's hasn't been like, how do I find my new purpose? Cause the purpose is the same. It's like, how do I find my new medium? Mm. I like that. We, for me, it was always like, I was going to make this huge impact with my voice with singing, obviously, like I'm meant to do something big, but I want to separate it from the, I have to do something big for something that's outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And if I don't, I have failed the mission. Yes. If I don't, I have messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, because the thing is, is while I might have the ability and the, it's right there for me to do something big, like it won't be any less worthy or a waste if I don't. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of a, a settling and healing in that Jared actually heard of when we were kind of going through I did not expect the existential crisis, by the way. I was like, that's much more Jared's game, not mine. Um, But it did happen, and it still happens sometimes. But um, Jared listens to a lot of this philosopher named Alan Watts. He's been listening to a lot of his lectures. And 
in one of them, he said this phrase that Jared's kind of like held on to and it really shifted perspective for him, which is you don't listen to a song to get to the end of it. Right. You listen to a song to experience the song. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's life. Like this is the song and it's really not about the end. It's about enjoying the journey and being present for the journey and, you know, going where it takes you and yada, yada, yada. So if the song didn't get as big as it could have, it's not like, it's not a song. Yeah, I definitely. And I feel like there's a shift within myself from the masculine to the feminine. And then it was almost like I swung the pendulum too far and I had to rebalance again because it felt very much masculine energy charged, like go out, save the world, do the things, carve the path, blaze the trail when I was in ministry. And then when I left, it was much more like what it was kind of swinging it so far into the feminine energy side of things. Like, is it okay if all I do in life is just like experience it <laughs> and find beauty and all that. And then it was kind of like that whole journey of, of being okay with that. And now it's kind of like coming back the other way. It was like, okay, but can I also push that energy outward in some way? And like, where's the balance for me? Because, and I think that might be, maybe it's just getting older too. Cause I feel like so many people I know, in the transition of their lives from their thirties to their forties, go through these moments, whether they're religious or not of like, is this, is this it? Like, is this the path? Cause I feel like by the time you, you make that transition from your thirties to your forties, like you've walked a road long enough that like you are now kind of invested in that path. And you hit that moment of like, is this the path I want to be on for the rest of my life? Or do I want a different experience? Cause you kind of hit this point where you're like, if I do want to experience something different, there's this kind of a now or never quality to changing things and looking at something new. So I feel like I definitely had that where I was like, if I don't, if, if my life is really just like learning how to heal and enjoy it and find um, pleasure and beauty and magic in the existence of it, is that okay? Like, is that enough? And that was a whole process for me of just being like, okay, without having like it with it all being an internal experience instead of turned around outward and being like successful or celebrated or having an impact. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because we were told um, I mean, I think one of the worst things you could be labeled as would be lukewarm. Yeah. So you can't sit with both and you can't. And it's, it's interesting now to look back and see it for the divide that it was like, no, everything is black and white. You can't, there is no room for both. And there's no room for you to sit with regret and gratitude. You know, there's no room for any of that. It's you are hot or cold. You either are, on fire, sold out, or you are an iceberg and there is no middle ground. There's no space for that. God hates it. Yeah. Um, like he'll spit the lukewarm out of his mouth, you know, and yeah. it, it reduces everything to this back to this binary. You've succeeded or you have failed. You are hot or you're cold. You are. And I feel like that's really damaging for, especially, I mean, we live in a 
you know, capitalist society here in America. And it's, you're living under two oppressive structures, really. Yeah. Where like, this is what constitutes success in this structure. And this is what constitutes success in this structure. And you're wanting to achieve both and failing at both. And so now you just feel like a double failure because of these like hard and strict guidelines. But like, it's interesting, the more I am, I always had trouble with like being present and, you know, being in the moment and, you know, with ADHD and my brain just and my personality just being the way it is like, that's always been hard for me. But now I feel like I have more grace for that. And more grace for myself as I'm kind of learning to accept like, there can be hot and cold, there can be, uh, it can be enough and you can still want more. It can be, you know, all of these kind of both and things. And I think a lot of the freedom in life kind of comes from reconciling that both andness mm -hmm. to life and not necessarily feeling under the pressure of this is how I succeed in this capitalist structure, or this is how I succeed in this religious structure. If I save this many people or in the capital, if I earn this many dollars and I have this much in savings and just be in the song for what it is yeah. and know that like there will be slow parts and there will be fast part. There'll be loudness. There'll be quietness. It's what makes it a song is the fact that it's more than one note, that it's up and down, that it's a whole. And I feel like if we're more kind of present in that, it takes the stress off of the end game which I feel like both in religion and in capitalism, we're being pushed towards the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's been a whole big journey for me is, is it okay? And am I safe to and am I allowed <laughs> to enjoy this part of the song? Can yeah. I like, without needing to do something to it, add to it, give it to somebody else? You know, like, can I just, yeah. can this just be something that I enjoy? Because there's just so much, there's so many layers of it, but like so much guilt and shame, at, I feel like at the core and um, like this feeling of like, you should be doing more. Like you should, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't even know what the right word is for that. Like this, this expectation that you're not reaching and because you're not doing it, it's somehow selfish. I joke <laughs> those memes that are like in my villain phase, but it's just me setting boundaries or whatever. I joke all the time, like, cause I describe this experience of my life as like this hedonistic phase. And <laughs> it's funny because like that word to me, <laughs> when I think of that word, I like what I, what that word was as a kid, all I can think about are the like adults only uh, all-inclusive resorts. <laughs> like, when I was like a teenager and I heard the word hedonism, I thought of like Sandals Resort, but it was like, <laughs> like the sexy one, you know? Because uh, there were those resorts that it was like, that was where people went. It was like the hedonism resorts. And it was like an all-inclusive in the Caribbean. I just remember hearing about them like in, in, in my teens. So for the longest time, I just like, that's all I could think. But then when I started to really figure out this part of the existential crisis and allow myself to experience life and pleasure. And I just mean like in all things of life. And so even that was hard because like the word hedonism and the word pleasure to me were tied specifically to 
sex or lust or something like that. But it was more just like, can I just experience all of the senses and the sensations of this existence? Like it's so and I'm artsy. So of course it's going to come across as like, probably sounds ridiculous, but like just standing outside and feeling like the sun on your skin or just enjoying like the wind blowing through your hair or um, like the way a flower looks or the way that falling asleep when you're really tired feels like all of just these small things that feel indulgent in the moment, allowing myself to just be okay with that and not having to maximize it or share it or give it to somebody else or whatever, like just being okay with, you know, enjoying that part of the song. Even like there's been people, like I've had conversations with strangers or just new people that I'm, I've met and they'll ask me, uh, like, I don't know how it always comes up, but like at some point someone will ask me like, what does that mean to you that like you feel like you're in your hedonistic phase or what does that mean to you that like your life is your art or whatever. And I think that there's this, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like I'm very, I'm, I'm in this phase where, and it took me a lot of work to get to where if it doesn't, taste good, feel good, sound good, (laughs) uh, make me, you know, like feel pleasure in some way. I'm just not interested. I'm not saying that like, we don't have to do hard things in life, but even in the hard things, I'm trying to find ways and find like the pleasure in it. And so that's kind of the stage of life I'm in. And I joke that it's my hedonism phase, but it's across the board. Like I only want to buy clothes that the fabric feels good. Like in as little of ways as that, like, I don't want to buy clothes if it doesn't feel good to wear them. Like, I don't want to have an outfit that I'm pulling at or that I'm nervous about, or that it has like a scratchy seam. (laughs) Like It sounds ridiculous, but like, I just, I'm past that point in my life where I'm willing to be uncomfortable for uh, like keeping the status quo or keeping up with the Joneses or whatever. It's like, if it doesn't taste good, I don't want it. If it doesn't, like, I'm not going to drink crappy drinks or eat shitty food or have shitty social interactions. Like if social interaction does not feel good to me, like I'm not going to push through it anymore. Like it's like, this was not, we're clearly not meant to talk to each other. You know, like it's just, that's it. Um, and I think that that alone was a huge journey because feeling like you can just relax and enjoy something was never a part of the narrative. Right. It was always like, that's selfish. You need to be out saving people somehow. (laughs) Yeah. What if, (laughs) um, what if they died on the way home and it was your fault? Um, so yeah, I had asked it, um, you know, they were talking about what would happen if you had this fear come true this year. And I was like, well, I would have wasted my life. Mm. And then it was, well, what would happen? What would happen if I wasted my life? Mm-hmm. And so I had to like sit down and think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was what could happen. And so I put, well, if I wasn't trying to like make the most of my life or to figure it out, like maybe I could be less stressed. Cause you were trying to think about what good could happen after we did the the doom journaling (laughs) Doom Um, journaling uh, maybe I could be less stressed maybe I could be more present maybe I could learn to be content maybe I don't have to carry the weight of making the most of my life or not wasting it maybe I could just enjoy the ride more Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's something that 
evangelical life did not prepare us for. And I wasn't, that wasn't something that I, it was definitely one of the deeper onion layers that I didn't realize was planted there because of that. So it's like evangelicalism plus capitalism. Good luck with that. Yeah. Um, It's a little of both for sure. Cause I think there are people who maybe didn't grow up religious that still feel that pressure mm -hmm. just from growing up in America. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, you need to monetize every hobby and every talent and every skill set, And like, you can't just enjoy something. You need to document it. Uh, (laughs) You know, like there's a lot of that. And when you combine that with evangelicalism, it's a lot, but even either of those on their own are a lot. Yeah. It was just something I didn't realize I needed to, to heal, but it's just interesting that I'm so far into this journey, still, you know, finding things like that. So if you feel discouraged that you are still finding things or that you don't know, where you're at on your journey, just know this shit just keeps coming. Mm -hmm. It is a gift that doesn't stop. Plus we're, you know, at a really pivotal life stage where we're, I think more people are are asking these questions, no matter what, no matter if they're deconstructing or looking around at the, you know, current state of affairs and the world going like, what are we doing? I feel like a lot of people are are asking those questions in and out of deconstruction. Well, I feel like deconstruction is almost expanding to include just this experience of like the structures that were how you described your life. You kind of hit this moment when you realize like, wait a second, like it was kind of like um, the man behind the curtain moment, you know, where you're just yeah. like, oh, it's not actually a wizard. It's just a guy talking into a remote control suit. <laughs> and you're just like, wait a second. And so I think that, oh, I was talking to someone the other day about working together and she's not religious. And she was like, I still feel like I'm going through a lot of this stuff, even though I didn't grow up religious at all. And I was like, yeah, that makes total sense to me because... Like, even if you didn't grow up evangelical and you grew up here in America, there's patriarchal influences, capitalistic influences, and there's puritanical influences, even if you weren't being raised in the church. Like that, it's um, Glennon Doyle in her book, Untamed, described it as being like um, a poison in the air. So even if you weren't drinking the poison or being fed the poison, you were just, you were breathing it by being in the environment. And so it still gets into your cells and it still gets into your body and you still would have to like deal with the consequences of that, even though they're different than someone who like straight up ingested it. And so I think that a lot of people are coming to this point where they're disenchanted with a lot of the things that they just accepted for a long time because I mean that's how it goes when you're kids and you're growing up and the people that you look to as caretakers and your support system are telling you these are the things that are true about the world and then you get to a point where you're like but is that actually what's true about the world is that what I think is that what I want to think is that my experience and the tower moment of it can be really unsettling and like this um the tower is a 
a symbol from tarot. And it's like this kind of moment where you feel like the foundations of your life are crumbling and there's nowhere to go. It's like you're in a giant tower, the tower's crumbling, but the tower's in the ocean and there's a giant storm. And you're just like, I, I don't know what to do. I have nowhere to go. And you just kind of feel like it's chaos everywhere. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's getting to this point. So we're all on this carousel, whether it's religion or capitalism or whatever it is. Um, we're on this carousel and we all go like, I don't want to be on this carousel. <laughs> what would happen if I got off the carousel and we get off, but then we're so used to going in the circle that we're like, where, where do we go now? What do we do with this? Yeah, we're so very we, dizzy. <laughs> we've, the, we've like taken the information. We've gotten off the carousel. Like we unplugged from the matrix. Now what? And I am here to propose that you don't have to figure out the now what. That it's just a learning, something that we, we didn't learn in either religion or capitalism is just the gift of being. Mm-hmm. Like the gift of existing. The gift of being present and being alive and just being who you are and not what you accomplished or what you do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm there yet. No, it's a I mean, battle, that's, but that's the work is the work. The work, the work is the work and the work is hard, but yeah, I'm here to propose that we start thinking about, okay, well, what if we don't even have to move forward or what? we don't even have like, eventually I mean eventually yeah you you move on and you you go here but what if for now you've just gotten off the carousel and you can just oh this is what the grass feels like when I'm still yeah it's like every philosopher through the history of time was on to something about being present right (laughs) and we're like just figuring it out again all over it's just you think there's a bunch of monks somewhere going damn it guys (laughs) we have been telling you this for centuries it's really funny because this is like you know how synchronicities tend to happen when you start paying attention it's like uh they almost happen in like cycles or seasons so like for a lot of people in in the beginning of like an awakening or a deconstruction it's like all of a sudden you just start hearing lots of other people talking about these things and you're like holy crap my whole life i've never heard people talking about spiritual awakening now everybody's talking about spiritual and then like it'll be like crystals or tarot or repeating numbers or, you know, like everybody has these things. And then it'll be like, I don't know, right now nervous system is like a big thing or it'll be Enneagram or whatever. Anyway, right now for me in my journey in life, it is uh, the present, which is so maddening to me. Because I do not live here <laughs> normally. Uh, I live. I have my entire life lived in daydreams in my head, not right here. And so that is like a huge exercise for me. But it's so funny that like this is the topic of our conversation for the podcast today because it is literally everything I've been trying to wrap my brain around in our RT training is about the exact same thing. It's about like the present and helping our brains understand that like we're actually safe right now in the present and we don't need to be doing anything to fix something that hasn't happened yet or that already happened because that's impossible. And so we get stuck on this loop of feeling like we need to be doing something, but then frustrated because we can't do anything because the thing we need to do is something that's impossible to do. And then we get stuck as like, 
if I was going to give like a super explain it to me, like I'm five introduction to RRT, <laughs> rapid resolution therapy, which is what I'm being trained in right now. And so yesterday I was in my like online class thing, reading through some stuff and it's talking about all these different um, stucknesses basically of like where we get, where we get our mind and our bodies get stuck on this loop between like our primitive brain and our more evolved brain. And so like one of them is moralistic thinking, like I should do this. I should do that or whatever. One of them is um, thinking that something should have happened, that, that something should have happened a certain way or has to happen a certain way to get to a different thing. Like I have to, be working all the time to be successful or I have to uh, give up TV to be successful in my side hustle or I have to be sharing the gospel with everyone to have an impact on life. whatever the thing is like I if if we don't do it this way and just having this like false belief about something that has to happen to for something else to happen and so when you're saying all of that I was just kind of like giggling inside because yesterday I was reading through all the stucknesses of the RRT <laughs> and like I have grown so much and had now over 10 years of deconstructing and lots of therapy, lots of modalities. I truly feel that I have grown and changed a lot. Like I've had a lot of growth and yet still, cause it's so spiralic, right? We come back to like these beginning moments again. So now I'm like back to a beginning point with RRT and I'm like, Oh, I still got a long way to go. Like I'm like reading all the stucknesses and I'm like, got that one, got that one, got that one, got that one. <laughs> I am stuck in all these ways <laughs> still, um, still working on that. So it's just funny because when you were saying like, maybe you're proposed that this is just the thing. I was like, it's funny. Cause that's what Dr. John Conley proposed to me yesterday that I just need to learn how to be okay right here. <laughs> so what you're saying is I you're, am a genius. You are a philosopher <laughs> and a scholar is what I'm saying. Everybody knows. It's hard though. I mean, it wouldn't be the subject of all of this stuff if it was something that everybody could just simply and easily do. And yeah. if it makes you feel any better, anybody listening, because it made me feel better. Like the, the actual science of it is that it's super fucking hard for us to do because of our biology. So if, if it's a struggle for you, it's not like a moral failure. It's just because you're alive in this human body at this stage in history, because we have these two combating systems that are going all the time. We've got this animalistic primal brain. We've got this evolved thinking brain. It's kind of like the difference between yourself and I. And the primitive brain kept us alive for all these years, right? It's like, I see a threat, I run. Like I send power to your legs, I send power to your arms, I send power to your jaw to like bite and kick and run and flee and fight and do all these things. But then we have this evolved human brain because of society and all the luxuries and systems we've created <laughs> that understands like, no, no, like I don't actually need to run away from lions right now. I don't actually need to do this. But primitive brain is like, oh, uh, answering that text message feels as scary as seeing a lion hunting us did hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So you should be frightened and you should have adrenaline and you should have all this stuff. And then current brain is like, I'm not going to answer that text. And then we just spin out on anxiety for a week about it. <laughs> so it's not our fault is what I'm saying that we feel this way. It's the work is the work. It's figuring out how to be here now with these two systems 
that kind of fight against each other because of how far we've come, really. I mean, because humans have, have come so far and built so much and accomplished so much. And this is kind of like one of those like good problems to have. Like we're all pretty safe most of the time, <laughs> you know, like we don't have a lot of those same threats as our ancestors did, but our system is still programmed for it. So it's still going to get tripped all the time. All right, then. <laughs> Well, um, we'd love to know if you've been feeling this lately or if that's something you feel like you have really nailed is being present in life. If you've now. nailed could it, you, if you've nailed it, you, please, um, sign up to teach a master class. My number is 404. <laughs> <laughs> um, we would like to hear your tips. <laughs> we would like to hear your tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, but as always, we're we're so grateful to you for wondering with us. And again, it is really wondering with us. We are very clear that we do not have all the answers and we are just trying to live this human experience in the most free, life-giving way possible. Mm -hmm. So uh, we hope that that helps you feel a little less alone and a little less like you have to have it figured out either because there's enough people who think they have it (laughs) figured out. So... uh, We love you guys. We love to hear from you as always. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. As usual, we hope you find these conversations helpful. Don't forget to leave us a review, connect with us via Instagram and send us your questions. We love wondering with you until next time.